And now, from the Room 111 Studios, it's the Retired Teacher Coach Podcast with James Sternovan. What up, listener? Welcome back to the Retired Teacher Coach Podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Here's the problem. Many retired educators suffer from a loss of identity and a lack of purpose. Now, my guest today, my wonderful guest today, Robert, expressed these feelings, but it is simply amazing what he's done after teaching. Robert is 88. Let that sink in, 88. You'd never know it if you met him. I first met Robert when he was 45 years old, you know, a long time ago. He honestly doesn't seem that different. Since I've known him, the power of his voice, the power of his handshake, haven't changed a lick. He's a vibrant man and a role model and a mentor of mine. Robert is a local icon, but in his heyday, he was foundational to both his school and his community. This man taught for 49 years. This is amazing. He started teaching at age 20. 20! He was one of those early achievers. (laughs) Some of his first students, some of his first students back all those years ago, have reached the tender age of 85. Wow. And and I kid him in the episode, did you make him call you Mr. (laughs) Trochia? After retirement, Robert was a bit lost. So he took action. He leveraged the skills he'd honed during his 49 years in the classroom. He held the following positions during that extended tenure. He was the director of music at the Fairfield Union Schools. He was the director of choral activities at Ohio University, Lancaster. And he was also the artistic director of the Lancaster Chorale. Now, he built off these rich experiences in retirement. He became a member of the National Board of Directors for the Creative Arts Workshop. He became a member of the Music Advisory Board for the Ohio Arts Council. Served two terms. In our interview, Robert emphasized the freedom he now experiences. This freedom comes in two forms. It's the freedom from being liberated from tedious expectations but also creative freedom. That is perhaps retirement's greatest gift. I help retired educators make awesome health and lifestyle choices. My name is James Sturdivan. I taught high school for 34 years. I'm over 60, I'm in great shape, and I feel fantastic. I would love for you to take my coaching on a free 21-day test drive. Just navigate over to the retiredteachercoach.com and sign up. It's time for you to reclaim your vitality. Okay, so here we are in the Room 111 studios on a bleak, (laughs) bleak December Saturday. (laughs) I'm here with a a very old dear friend, Robert Trochia. Say hello, Robert. Uh, Hello. Why'd you have to emphasize old? I just had my birthday. we've, We've known each other for for 40 years. Yeah, I know. I had a birthday uh, uh, the 11th, just uh, seven days ago. I was 88. How old? How 88. Old? 88. 88. 88. Now, when, when you folks look at his image on the sound file, 
when you listen to the power in that voice, when you meet him in person and shake his hand and feel that grip, you're like, you're how old? How's that possible, Robert? <laughs> hey, I don't know how that happened. I truly do not, but it did. But well, uh, I'll take it. Still cranking. Well, here's the thing. So we got one vital piece of information that I hopefully you're you're not going to lie about on your dating app profile. Well, you know, uh, at 88, not very likely I'd ever be on one. But if I found myself there and it was all audio and and uh, not, face, <laughs> not FaceTime, I might try and tell them I was 50 and see how I do. <laughs> Robert, if you advertise your dating app profile at the villages in Florida, it would be Bedlam. <laughs> it's something else. Well, you're very kind. I'm. Uh, they would be. They would be lined up down the street, my friend. I've never answered. I've never had to answer that question before. I can well, say. I, that. I love throwing it in there because it it really takes people uh, out of their comfort zone. And yeah, know, <laughs> back in the day, I've said this before. I used to just walk up and talk to someone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Now, what is our connection? Describe it. Oh, okay. Well, uh, my son Vince is your age, and uh, when he graduated after he graduated from high school, we went to Muskingum, mm -hmm. and he met you there, and uh, uh, third Musketeer, uh, Johnny <laughs> Reichley, and uh, you guys became friends and are still, are still really good friends, and uh, best, best friend, really, for Vince. I know he considers you two guys his best friends, but... Uh, it was more than that, uh, you know, the, how that goes. You go to ball games or you go to different things and you see the parents and you meet them. And yeah. we all like the parents. The parents all enjoyed one another. You you remember? Uh, oh, gosh. You might have organized it. There was something <laughs> that we did at a state park one time. I was on a, yeah. a, a day. I think the uh, OSU was playing football or something. We had a yeah. place that the ones that could, could go there and watch. And we had a lot of great food and all the family, extended family of the three of you, the uh, you and Vince and uh, Johnny uh, were there. And we, oh, we've all been friends all our lives, ever since you guys met and became friends. Well, it's, I'm so glad you said that because it brought up another memory. This was a tradition we had. I live in Columbus, Ohio. Robert lives close to Lancaster. My parents, whom have since passed away, lived in eastern Ohio. And Robert lived in an area that was convenient for everybody. So there was this really awesome Italian restaurant down in Lancaster. And we used to go there as a group of like 30 people. <laughs> and, and we would rent the back room and we would be there for hours. <laughs> I mean, hours and hours. And, you know, telling the same stories. We, we did it a number of times and we told the, darn, the same darn stories every time and laughed harder each time. Yeah. No, that was great. And uh, we're, we're about due. Oh, yeah. Yeah. COVID is, has really robbed us. Robert and I thought about doing this in person. Yeah, yeah. Can't well, do it. Can't risk it. Yeah, we're very cautious because of our age. I'm 88. Carol's 85. Carol looks like she's about 45 or 50. <laughs> uh, I, I look mine, but she doesn't. But um, but we're just in. You know, we have to take care of ourselves. I we do actually retired because of some health things and uh my younger daughter's husband's a surgeon as you know and he advised me quickly that i'm the guy they're talking about yeah. when they tell people to, to to try to avoid this if they can 
who are uh, older and who have uh, underlying health problems, both of which hit me. But I didn't know any of that. I never knew I had anything wrong with me. And I was working like crazy. I was working full time uh, uh, with more than one job. So I was 81 years old. And mm-hmm. uh, I I just uh, I thought I was getting a- acid reflux. And uh, uh, my son-in-law said, don't think that's it, Dad. And he scheduled a, a thing and found out I had three <laughs> arteries plugged 90, 95, and 100%. Sure. And uh, they took the 95% one and cleared it out and put some stents in. They couldn't do anything with the others. I was too old to be a candidate for the surgery, that too risky. So I just adapted to my lifestyle to that. And although I will admit that it was a little scary uh, the first few months as I uh, uh, started to work out and get a little stronger and things, I felt actually very good. And uh, so that's been, uh, I'm 88 now, so it's seven years ago. And uh, so far, thank God, all's good. Okay, now we're going to go, we're going to transition here. My audience is comprised, the vast majority are retired educators just like you and just like me. So I want to go ahead and give a little background. I want to, I want to talk just about your teaching career now. Okay. You want me to talk about it? Yeah. I want you to talk about two things. Well, three things. What'd you do? When did you retire? And how was that transition? How was that for you? Well, that's a lot. I'm going to have to break that down. I I taught music. I taught uh, high school, public school music. And uh, simultaneous with that, I taught for almost 30 years for the Lancaster campus of Ohio University. Mm-hmm. And simultaneous with that, I conducted a professional choir. So uh, I taught the public school uh, 49 years, Damn. the university 30 <laughs> years, <and laughs> the professional choir 29 years. So if you add those all up, it's about 400 years. So you notice they were simultaneous to one another. But okay. it wasn't just that. We The music wasn't, you think about teach music in high school. Okay, you do this, you do that. Wrong. We were a, a high school that had a very active and a very uh, dynamic uh, instrumental and choral program. Our bands were active competitively, and I don't mean like the state competition. I mean nationally and internationally, and our choirs also, and they were top in the country. Things like we did the, you know, we were the first area band from around here in Ohio. We did the Macy's Parade, the Gimbel's Parade, the Indy 500 Parade. You name it, we did it. Browns, Bengals, Patriots, mm-hmm. Bears, Choir. We were in a competition that divided America into 10 districts, and we won the Ohio, Indiana, Michigan, whatever this, whatever that is, sort of Midwest version. It was one of the top 10 choirs in the country, sponsored by Marriott, called the Great American Choral Festival. And so we were very active, very competitive, interstate interstate competitions. We flew to Florida for a competition that was for high school and junior college. And there was only one medal given. It was a bronze medal. and It was to us. (laughs) uh, So we had high-powered groups. So it wasn't just teaching. And it was great, great fun. But I retired from the teaching portion completely in 2004 and the professional choirs in 215. And that was because I found out I had coronary artery disease and I needed to take it a little easier. Let me ask you a a question first before I ask you the next question. And, And this is something that will be meaningful, I think, to many members of the audience. So my first students that I taught in 1985 
were 18 years old. And so, gosh, now they're in their 50s. And that's sobering when you have someone come up to you that looks older than you do and says, hey, Mr. Sturdivant, I had you, <laughs> I had you in class. And you're like, yeah. you're kidding me. Oh, yes. You yeah. have some former students that are in their 80s right now. Oh, uh, well, yeah, my uh, my first students, well, not my very first students, but I, I taught 49 years in public school, 47 of them were in this one school. I taught two years before that, but from just this teaching experience, 47 years, I have students all the time that, that I've had for, you know, they're almost as old as I am. I and know. Oh I started God. teaching they're calling, they're calling you Mr. Trokey. <laughs> yeah. I grew up in Brooklyn and I started to school early. Yeah. And then when we moved from Brooklyn to Ohio, especially to this rural area of Ohio, there was such a disparity in the education systems that they bumped me up a grade. So my senior year of high school, I was 16. I was wow. teaching school when I was 20. Oh, my gosh. So what was your oldest student? When well, you my kids were as old as my wife. And okay, so, so you had... You potentially had a student that's now 86 years old. Yeah, 80, yeah, 85 my wife is. That wow. would be Well, I was 20 the first year I taught. Hey, I, I'll 60, tell you what. I, I will, I will yeah. give you I will give you $9. $9. If you interact with one of those folks and they call you Robert and you say, no, it's Mr. Trochia to you. I, I will give you $9 if you do that. But guess what, Jim? I didn't care what they called me. I never, I never. Nine dollars, nine dollars is nine dollars. No, that also, they never, I never insisted on, no, that's Mr. Trochia. I mean, <laughs> you can tell by the way, I've had kids, you know, and you have too, look me in the eye with a look on his face that you would like to take hold of him and wipe off and, <laughs> and say, good morning, Mr. Trochia. You know? And I've had said, I've had kids walk in and say, hey, T, how's it going? And that, that was fine with me. What was the transition like between that 49 years of I am a integral part of this school. I am a integral part of this community. People know me. I have this identity. And then you transitioned out of that. Describe that. Well, you know, that particular aspect, uh, I guess right at first, I didn't notice that. First, I was just scared with the health problem. But then I saw right away I was doing pretty well. And the doctors were saying, hey, you're doing wonderfully. You need no problems here. So then uh, I began for a little while to enjoy the freedom. I never, with all those jobs and as active as I was on each of those uh, different uh, involvements, uh, I never had much time at home. So I loved being at home. But then very quickly, uh, I, I got more. You described it perfectly. I felt like I was a player before, you know. Now I was a spectator. I was, And it's worse in my business because, you know, it was just one concert after another or one competition after another or one performance of some type after another. So when you finish one, you start preparation on the other. And for me, I was going on on three levels simultaneously. So I was always preparing for something. I needed to have a, I'm a, I'm a make a list, click them off guy. Sure. And yeah. I needed to have that going. And I thought, Jesus, I got to be more. I just felt really left out of everything. You just so it was, it was 10 a.m. And your list was already checked off. 
I tell I get a kick out of talking to my brother. My brother's seventy seven years younger than I am, yeah. and uh, he just moved and he kind of upgraded instead of downgrading. He sold his home, but he moved into a kind of a high end uh, apartment thing where it's uh, really. I mean, he's just fed up to do anything, and I I talk to him multi times every day. I've talked to him several times today already. And what are you doing today? Well, I have to get the mail. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and, uh, but, but he's just hitting this a little bit now. He wrote me this morning, God is my witness. He emailed me, community he's in. He started a, uh, when he was young and active, he started a, a, an, an adult uh, band and choir program in the Vermilion Community Music association or something like that and they had a band and a jazz band and a choir and all that and it's kind of gone downhill over the years but they're talking of getting this back up and he wrote me this morning about you know they're kind of wanting me to do this choir thing bail me out a little bit you know give me some quick mm -hmm. things and uh, that I can that I can use and and that will help me do this so he's looking like he's going to get back active and that's you know, that it should, because he looks like Yul Brenner, you know, <laughs> he has that disease, whatever it is, where he lost his hair and his yeah. eyebrows and stuff. Oh, yeah. So he's had the shaved head all his life. And he's Italian, as am I. So yeah. he's out 20 minutes. He's bronze. Yeah. OK, and he looks like a, he looks like a bigger Yul Brenner. He That's looks awesome. great. He looks great. And so he'll be he'll be just fine. But he's he's just tagging along a little bit on on making that transition. Well, here's the thing that I want to say. Every episode I do, we put up a problem. And then we talk about potential solutions. And what I'm hearing from you is that you had a loss of two things. Number one, you had a loss of your identity as to, like, who am I? Where do I fit in? And number two, you had a loss of purpose. So those two things are powerful things. But what you yeah. did, am, am, am I accurate in saying that? No, you're, you're right on schedule. Okay, I mean, okay. It's, so, it's so, exactly right. But let me get this in before I forget it. I mean, sure. remember, uh, I, I, I'm starting to get these feelings. And then I had in a, a couple of things happened. Um, I had a call from a gal who was uh, uh, graduated from college in Michigan. And she was, uh, she's the daughter of a former student. And she wanted to consult about, uh, she didn't know whether to go to grad school. She didn't know how well prepared she was to teach. She didn't know what was going on. And so she she came down and we spent a day. And it, and uh, and I had another one. I, I, I was sent someone from a, an area university. And they wanted some uh, uh, ideas on what to do with this kid, where this kid could work best. And so I had two chances where I again became a player, you yeah. know, I was asked to, to consult about something and it felt so good that I, <laughs> then I knew I've got to do so. This is what I should be doing. I've, and it, it, it is cliche, but honestly, it's a crime that someone has not done exactly what you are doing, James Sturdivant, <laughs> because, because what a treasure it has. I know, I don't mean this to sound the way it sounds, but I've forgotten. I mean, we just changed our music staff and I was a part of that asked to be again. And that felt good. I, I sat in on the vetting and the interviewing and made a recommendation and that's the one they went with. And, and so that felt all good, but it's a, uh, I've forgotten more 
than a lot of the people coming out know. And it's just there. It's just there waiting to be used. And I'm sure that you're the same way. And I'm sure there's a million people out there like that. Well, listen, listen, the people who listen to this podcast are like that. Now, what you did is what I would like them to do. I mean, think about this, Robert. Your typical teacher has tremendous organization skills, tremendous management skills, tremendous motivational skills, tremendous leadership skills. And what you did is you leveraged those skills plus your experience to create a magical retirement. Well, I don't know how magical, (laughs) (laughs) but it really, it really is, Jim. It it, is magical. I mean, where we are. Listen, you're, you're being humble here. I, I remember looking at you thinking, okay, this guy was this music teacher for a, for decades. And then he built off that. And then he has this incredibly rich retirement. I use you as an example all the time. Well, that's very kind to hear. And, uh, and I wish it could be that because right now I feel, I, I have the feelings again that I enjoyed about myself Mm-hmm. And I was helped in some ways. I couldn't be myself. I couldn't do, you know, I was traveling when I consulted and I was doing all three of those jobs. I was also traveling from Montreal to Atlanta, uh, uh, serving as a consultant and a clinician and things like that for bands and choirs. And I worked for an organization that promoted a national uh, it was called Performing Arts, uh, Creative Arts of America. So I can't remember what it was even called. But I worked weekends, and they flew me to those places, and I'd consult with whomever needed it. And so I was doing stuff all the time. Yeah. And, uh, now, I, I couldn't do that, obviously, but I needed to find something that gave me those same goals because I'm a, I'm a goal-oriented person. I mean, when mm-hmm. I was a kid – and, and uh, you know, just an average athlete type person. I, I believed in someone told me or I heard about visual. I would see myself, you know, at the free throw line with the game on the sure. line, making that free throw. I would see those things. And I did the same thing at, with my music. I mean, I, I thought that concert through everything about it. I walked through it. I knew every single thing that, that should be happening kind of a uh, little bit anal about that, but it paid, it paid dividends, but I, I couldn't do it to that degree now, but I found things to do. Thanks to other people. I had a student, a kid. Now get this. He was my student. He graduated, went to college, got his master's, was helping at Ohio university with the Ohio university band. And I had realized at that time that, that marching bands as active as our band was as a young man's position and that I should move into choral music, which then sustained my ability to teach with the same energy until I was the age I was. But you can't do that. Marching band, you're out on, it's like head football coach or head basketball coach. You got to be a hands-on person. Kids just don't relate to someone standing back and telling them. You got to show them. You got to be a part of it. And so I talked this kid into coming back and taking the band job. Actually, I, I talked the board into hiring two people at the same time, so I could move into choral music alone. And Paul Young was the guy's name. He had, he came back here, took over the program, and knew it inside out. He'd been a part of it, took it to new levels, 
And he did that at the expense of an assistantship at the University of Texas. This is a kid who's probably 20, whatever he would have been then. Couldn't have been, but he, but much before his early middle 20s. And uh, he, he gave up that opportunity. But he was the kind of kid, he came here 11 years. He continued to let build the instrumental program while I built the choral program. Then he left, got his doctorate, went into school administration, developed an outstanding after-school program in Lancaster, Ohio, that turned into him eventually being elected the president of the National After-School Education, whatever they call it, office in D.C., and then a writer. And he's published hundreds of articles and arrangements and scores of books. The guy is 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 an unbelievable person. He is the most energetic and focused person I've ever known. And his name is Paul Young. You ought to talk to him sometime. Uh, well, well, here's here's what I I love that story. Here's here's I'm going to ask you two more questions. Just okay. two. Now you were a guy who, like me, for you know a few decades, what, three decades, whatever, four decades in your case, you got up, you went to a school building, and you were in that building, in that little universe of that school. You were in incredibly impactful there, but but it is a small pond. I mean, even though you went to all these competitions around the country, it's still a small pond. It's confining. And then you retire, and you were just mentioning, I'm flying to Montreal, I'm flying to Atlanta. What did these post-retirement experiences, how did they impact you? First of all, I had time to see what it was that I wanted to do. In other words, if I'm going to design what I do that yeah. makes me a player again instead of a spectator, I'm going to leave out board meetings. Yes, yes, <laughs> I'm, going yes. Out, I'm going to leave out that stuff, and I'm just yes. going to get to the nitty-gritty. What is fun to do? And so that's where I'm right now. And yeah. I can do as much of it as I like or as little. And I have a beautiful wife who needs the attention that she was denied for so many years and was just kind of following along. Yeah. And I take that seriously, too. So I set my schedule now and I work. I have a different direction now, as you know, writing. Yeah. And I have a schedule and keep myself at it. And uh, but I also take time to to and this has been hampered by covid now but i also played that i mean i'm i, I have a couple books out i started writing paul young is the one who told me you should write and and, and, and there's absolutely going to be a link to your book on my show notes absolutely you know but i got a third one coming that makes the first two look like nothing jim <laughs> I'm, I'm serious i'm serious Love it. i wrote this and the it has a different bent it's a little more spiritual it opens with a thing called Alone Together. There's a song like that, but this is not that. But I just thought it was perfect because we're shut in. The world shut down. We shut down. We're old. We have to stay in alone together. An octogenarian odyssey. Beautiful. Beautiful. <laughs> and, uh, Beautiful. and that's just one story that opens this. The book is called Sketches or will be called Sketches, Memories of Our Journey. Excellent. And the first part is what I just described to you. Other ones are just great memories in a variety of directions, a little more spiritual, a lot of humor, a lot of motivation. And that I liked what you said a minute ago, and I wanted to refer to it. When you were kicking out ideas to kind of get me going here, um, you mentioned what skills successful teachers have. Right. And any of those are things that can be done. Uh, my big thing is... 
I'm pretty enthusiastic. Mm-hmm. I know that when I first got the professional choir, I couldn't believe it. I got some movers and shakers in the town going, and we started a choir that had been a community chorus. They met every Tuesday for cookies and coffee and sang and had a good time. And then the director uh, left. He didn't even finish a year. And they had an aggressive board that wanted more than that. And they have a Lancaster Festival, which is a, a nationally known Festival of the Arts, a 10, 12, 14 day festival every summer. And they were, the community was exploding in a cultural direction. And they wanted more than that. So they uh, brought in some people to take over the corral. And I told them, Michael, if I take the corral uh, in 10 years, when they talk about choirs in America, they best be talking about that one, <laughs> us, or you can fire me. That's yeah. where I, that's the way I see it. That's the way I approach everything. I want to be the best. And uh, I, I work immediately with people in that discipline, whatever that genre or discipline is, and not the best people around in Ohio or something. When I first became a choir director, I became first a student, then a colleague, then a co-worker, sort of, then a friend to Norman Luboff, to Dale Warland. Those are two iconic names in American choral music. And uh, I just went for the biggest guys out there and and picked their brains and worked with them. And so I had, that's the way I saw the corral becoming if I took it. So I have uh, enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. I, when I got this moving board, one year we had a lady who not only could keep up with me, I thought I was never going to outlive her because every meeting that she had to build our board and get the support that was necessary to turn this little community chorus into probably one of the easily one of the top 10 or 12 choirs in America easily. Uh, I have, I have, uh, I can go, could tell you international composers of international reputation. One of them is Pavel Lukaszewski in Poland, second generation religious composer. His website has 20 recordings of choirs, two are American, three, excuse me, are American, 17 are European, and two of those three are us, the Lancaster Corral, this little town in the middle of a little rural countryside. That's amazing. But the lady on my board said, you're the enthusiasm. Every meeting I have to get people on board, you got to be there. You're (laughs) You're just full of enthusiasm, and we need that. That's what they need, and we need to pick up on that. So that's that's what I think I have. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That, that has helped. And, you know, you and I have that. It's correct to look at it as a skill and to leverage it. Now, here's my last question, Robert Trochia. I have, I have a lot of listeners who are retired and they're kind of wondering what they should do. They're probably going through something similar to what you went through. This idea that they're not sure who they are or what they should be doing. Give them one piece of advice. Just analyze what it is that you think your strengths are. I visited with a coach one time, great ball player, all-American football player, uh, went into business. And he wound up in the state of Tennessee, I think it was, heading uh, all the government-related agencies that had to do with health, veterans groups, everything like that, hospitals, everything, great career. And he came and talked, and he and I talked just like you and I are talking. We talked for an afternoon, and we laughed, we cried, we had great memories together. 
And he said, you know, he said, I should have my agent contact you. He said, you should be a motivator. You should do motivational speeches. These guys are dragging down major dollars doing this. And he said, you you could do this. Well, just find out what it is you do. If, if you had a strength in working with people, think about how could I, how could I market that? How could I uh, make that Absolutely. something that's available to other people? Or if your thing was whatever it was, if you just had this super ear and people went to you, hey, I remember when early in my career, I had a very successful guy who asked me if I would go with them when they were going to a big a competition to help him tune his group because he thought his ear was not uh, as good as mine, his musical ear. And so if it's that, figure out how you can leverage that. You can work in, uh, I mean, the whole music thing has gone bananas now. I can't even keep up with what my grandkids are doing. And a lot of it is mixing. If you have a group that's doing, you need a person. When you hear these great groups and you see a video of them somewhere standing, they're probably not singing that there. They sang it someplace else. And the real star that shows the guy who's sitting at the board mixing and balancing those things. So if your talent is that, that's another direction. There's just all kinds of things. Find what your strengths are. You'll get it. Find something that you enjoy doing and working at. And even at first, working at it may be uh, figuring out how to make it work. You know like, something, Robert, I, I love this. And I'm going to add one, one more caveat because I think you and I are similar in this regard. And if you can do it your own way, if you can, if you can like create something that just, there, there's no one else involved with something that you did. I think that yeah. that adds a lot. Oh, yeah, it does. Because it, just as I said, I alluded to it trying to be a little sarcastic. I, I do it without mm-hmm. board meetings, you know, ah, yeah. things like that. But if you can do it yourself yeah. and you're confident in it, you know, you know that's your strength, you know. And you don't uh, have to figure it out tomorrow, man. I mean, you, you got time. I mean, just just think about it. Just think about it. Yeah, no, that in itself. I'm a I'm a legal tablet guy all my life when i had a problem i mean it feels the house what i don't do jim is is the thing that husbands all should do i'm a klutz in repairing or fixing or doing whatever but i thought you were gonna say you had problems with listening (laughs) (laughs) that's a that's a low one jim but I, I so I get out the tablet and yeah. I write things and I'd approach That's it good. and try to figure out how to do it and That's scratch good. off what works, scratch off what doesn't work, and try and figure it out because you know your brain that that in itself is good. Have a plan, be doing something. Don't be letting it happen to you. Impact what's happening. You know, be proactive rather than reactive, and find your strengths. You you all know them. Everyone who's out there has yeah. had successes. Well, this is what I like doing. That's what I liked about the job. And I was really good at this about that. So how can I take those two things and uh, turn them into something and where can they help? They have, there are all kinds of things. If you were like, I am a music teacher, I still get copies of uh, a string group that formed. Well, there are two groups. Another group was a bell ringing group. And both of them came to me. How did you start? How did you get a board going? How did you get all this grant assistance, you know, from the High Arts Council and all these councils and National Endowment for the Arts and things? How did you get all that? And I helped them with that. And I still get their things. And they're all both of those organizations are now those people have done that. One is a require a retired teacher. And now she has a professional a bell ringing group. And those groups are beautiful. The sound is beautiful. The music is challenging. 
and she's developed a whole thing that's going on. It's a part of the art scene. And uh, I, they send me their board meetings and I know they're pretty well off financially. And so look what happened. Look what they've done. It's all well, out there. Well, look, Robert, you, you've been an inspiration like always. I mean, I can't wait to see you again. I, I, I really am missing uh, being with you in the same room. Oh yeah. Well, I, I can't know. wait. Can't wait to see you. Listen. I remember one of those times we were together, you and I sat together at a table. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> that was that's the dangerous. best it ever was, man. Uh, unending pasta and unending conversation. Yeah. That's yeah, we, we need a glass of red wine and we need a plate of pasta and we need to talk uh, some smack, Robert. Guess what happened yesterday? What? Uh Lisa, my daughter, older daughter's son, Jesse, and his wife Lindsay. Had a baby boy named wow. named Vincent. Oh my gosh! And he's the first. He's a fifth generation firstborn of a firstborn. He's the first of Jesse, first of Lisa, first of me, That's first awesome. of my father, first of his father, Pacifico in Saviano, Italy. How's them apples? That's awesome, man. That's awesome. That, hey, we got to wrap this up at this point, sir. It's been wonderful. Thank you so I much. That, I hope that works for you, Jim. It was fun. It's oh, all yeah. fun talking to you, man. We have to sit together. Yeah, that's so right. Stay well, and thank you for considering me and thinking of me. Oh, always, my friend. Take okay. care. Take care. Bye. So here we are at the What You Can Do About It section. In this episode, we spoke about all the important skills teachers possess. And we listed a few, like organizational skills, leadership skills, motivational skills, management skills. But this is just a finite list. I bet you could expand upon this list significantly. I mean, think about your gifts. Robert Trochia encourages you to do just that inventory. I want every listener to be as happy and vibrant as Robert is at age 88. Thanks for listening, and please visit us at theretiredteachercoach.com. Listen to every episode of the Retired Teacher Coach podcast by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Goodbye for now.